Welcome to the Wonder Your Way Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Lynn Neiman. I'm here to help you travel to Europe, to explore off the tourist track destinations, dig a bit deeper into those well-known places, offer up some tips so you can travel with peace of mind, and of course, to share a few stories. It's my hope to inspire you to travel to Europe, your way. Hello, my wondering friend. How's it going? You know, I'm doing okay. As I record this, it is, I think it's a day before summer solstice. It's the 20th of June. I think summer solstice is the 21st. And we've had some really crazy weather. We've had some really hot weather already here, despite the fact that it's technically not summer. So last week was really, really hot and sticky, and I hate it. And then the weekend came and this was just, uh, we just had Father's Day here and it was gorgeous. It was like, you know, the upper 70s during the day, the humidity was down. It was like mid to low 50s overnight. So you could have the windows open. I love that weather. I'm like, oh, I stay like this all summer. I don't need it to be, I don't really need it to be over 80 in the summer for me. So, but it's going to get hot again. So it's summer. You know, what do you do? And as this podcast comes out, as this particular episode, is this podcast, as this episode comes out, it will be the latter part of July, or no, it'll be mid-July. And I'm pretty sure it's going to be hot then because, you know, July in Ohio, that's pretty much how it is. It's hot and it's humid and it's just, it's not a lot of fun. Um, I have to admit, I don't like it because I can't really get out during the day because it's just not comfortable, but you can't sit out in the evenings and you can't get out in the mornings. And that's usually what I try to do. Anyway, enough about this weather talk. What are we talking about today? We are actually going to talk about solo travel today. And I am going to offer up some tips on... The first tip I'm going to offer up is just going to be like how to get started for for newbies, for people that maybe have never done any solo traveling but are interested. And then I'm going to just kind of talk about some good practical tips for solo travelers. Now, I have to admit that some of the, the tips may resonate a little bit more with female solo travelers versus male solo travelers. But I do think that some of these tips really kind of go across to any gender identity. And I hope that you get a little something out of this. If you've never thought about traveling on your own before, then maybe this episode isn't for you. If you're like, there's no way I would ever travel on my own. Eh, You know, I get that. It is not for everyone. But if you are somebody who already maybe does some solo traveling and just kind of want to be want to hear some some tips or be reminded of some of those tips. If you're somebody who has thought about it and thought, you know, I might be interested in doing this, where do I start? Then you definitely want to listen to this episode because not only am I going to give you that place to start, but I'm going to give you those great tips as you maybe work on it. But I will reiterate that it is not for everyone. And, you know, some people are just never going to do it. And you know what? That's fine. I personally love to travel by myself for a lot of different reasons. And some of that I'm going to kind of come to at the very end, which I think is kind of one of the biggest benefits of solo travel. So let's get started. Let's start with the newbies. So if you're not 
a newbie and you want to fast forward a little bit, you can. So if you've never traveled on your own before and you are like, I'd really like to try, but I'm a little hesitant. Maybe I'm a little scared. I don't know where to start. The best place to start is just dip your toe in the water. Do something small. This means that you don't have to get on a plane and take, you know, a six-hour flight, a 10-hour flight over to Europe. Start with something kind of in your backyard, if you will. So maybe you want to go to, you know, maybe you live a little bit outside of a city and you're like, oh, I'd really like to go in and explore this particular city. Or maybe you want to go explore a national park that's nearby or even a state park that's nearby or some little town or some little area. Maybe there's something that you want to do that's maybe only a couple hours away. And by a couple hours away, I mean, maybe just by car. So it might be just a little road trip. For me, you know, I live in the Cincinnati area of Ohio. And there's a few places that I can think of that I could go to that would just be a couple hours away. I could drive up to the city of Columbus, which is the capital, and I could spend some time there. It's only about an hour and a half to two hours away from me. I could drive south into Kentucky and go to a place like Lexington or Louisville, one of those towns. Near Lexington, there's the um, there's, there's the Kentucky Horse Park. There's the Bourbon Trail down there. There's a lot of different things that I could do. I could go over to Brown County, Indiana, which has a nice state park. And there's like this little town, I think it's called Little Nashville, that's supposed to be a delightful little town. So these are just like, I'm just kind of throwing out some areas. Um, I know there's a state park too, that's up near Columbus, Ohio. I think it's called Deer Park. I think I went there as a kid, it seems like with my parents. And I think they have a lodge and all that kind of stuff. And they have a lake and you can, you know, there'd be like little hikes. So think about that. And just think about what is maybe in like a two hour radius around where you live, that maybe would be something interesting that you could go and you could just take a weekend. Just try to do maybe two nights. I might recommend doing more than one night because one night, eh, you know, it's not going to give you maybe quite enough of a taste of it. But maybe go for at least two nights. And like I said, dip your toe in the water. See how it feels. If you're like, uh-uh, no way. I was so lonely. I didn't know what to do. I'm, you know, I missed my friends, my family, my kids, whatever then maybe solo travel is not for you. But if you're like, hmm, I kind of liked that, then you want to build on it. So maybe those couple of nights stay become a week. You know, maybe you start to go a little further away. Maybe you do finally get on a plane and you take a short plane ride somewhere that's maybe, you know, a little bit further away that would maybe you wouldn't drive, but you would fly to, but you're not going halfway across the world yet. Then when you feel like you're ready, then you take that solo trip to Europe. And again, I'm going to stick with Europe because that's what this podcast is all about. And I firmly believe that there are so many places in Europe that are great for traveling on your own. So dip your toe in the water, see how you like it. If you don't like it, hey, no big deal. It's not for you. It's not the end of the world. If you do, then start to just make those trips a little bit longer and maybe a little further away and just kind of keep exploring until maybe you're like, yeah, I think I could do something maybe over to Europe on my own. Start small and then build on it. That is my tip for those of you who are just getting started. 
Okay, so let's dive into some of these other tips that are good for anyone who is traveling on their own. So the first tip I want to offer up is kind of a I'm going to kind of call it a twofer. You want to make sure that you choose a safe place to stay. Now, when I talk about a place to stay, I mean both kind of like the area, the neighborhood, especially, and I think that that sort of applies a little bit more towards like your bigger cities. So you want to be sure that the area that you stay in is safe. And then you want to be sure that you're choosing accommodation that feels safe and secure and again, would be in that safe neighborhood. So let's kind of break this apart just a little bit. So how do you figure out like what parts of town, you know, you always hear, oh, that's a seedy part of town, or that's a bad part of town. Well, if you hear that about a certain city that you want to spend some time in, whether it's a city here in in the States or Canada or wherever you may live, or, you know, I'm going to obviously kind of talk more about European places. So if you hear that, oh, that's not a good neighborhood in London, or that's not a good neighborhood in Paris, or that's not a good neighborhood in Prague, then, you know, maybe you want to avoid that and not be looking for your accommodation there. So, Be sure that you're kind of choosing an area of town, of a city that has good reviews and is safe. Here's one tip that I'm going to throw out there is typically the areas around train stations are not as nice and are usually not as safe. They're kind of a little bit known to be a little less safe. Some places, you know, a little bit more so than others. So that would be one area you would definitely want to avoid. But look at reviews. You can usually kind of look at some guidebooks. They're usually pretty good. I mean, I always felt like like Lonely Planet was actually pretty good at, at kind of saying, hey, this is a pretty good area of town to be in or this is not. So pay attention to that. Do a little bit of research, do your homework. And you can always, of course, look to your travel planner, such as myself, to help you with that. The other piece of that is, so you've chosen, let's say, your your safe neighborhood in town. And again, I'm talking about the cities. I'm going to talk about like staying out in smaller towns and the rural landscape here in a minute. But in the city, so you've got your safe your safe neighborhood chosen. So then how do you choose a safe accommodation? Well, Again, I would probably look to some reviews and some recommendations. And I know I'm not necessarily always a huge fan of TripAdvisor, but the one thing that they do have is you can filter out for people who are solo travelers. So you can look at that. I think you can do that maybe on booking.com as well. You can look for people who did travel alone and see what their reviews of the place are. Obviously, if you see something that's like, eh, didn't feel so safe in this place. That's probably a hotel or a B&B or guest house you're not going to want to stay in. So do check those reviews. Another thing is you have to be aware of what is your level of feeling safe. For some people, especially maybe when they're staying in a city and if they're you know, like I'm not really a city person. So I tend to be like, I like to have those extra like outdoor locks. I think I stayed in a place in Verona. Um, In Verona, I would say, you know, it's a, it's a smaller Italian city. So I didn't feel like I needed this level, but (laughs) this is probably what we had. I think there were like three levels of locking because I stayed in like a little guest house. There's only like maybe like three rooms or something like that. So it was just on one floor of this building. So I think that 
there was a lock on the outside, like on the actual, like getting inside the building. Then you went up the stairs and then there was another door to get into like where the actual accommodation was. And then there would be another one for your room. So there's like three levels of protection. But if you feel like you need that much, then find places like that. And it does not hurt to email these places and say, you know, what's your situation? I'm a solo traveler and I just want to be sure where do you have locks? You know, how many keys do I need to get in or things like that? Do you have 24 hour reception? That might be something you may feel better, especially in cities, staying in bigger hotels. That's okay. If that's your comfort level and that's what you want, go for it. You just have to remember that sometimes you will be paying a little bit more for that. So budget for that as well. You just want to know what your comfort level is and how much security you feel like you need. Just be sure it's enough. You're always better to err a little bit on the side of having a little bit more as a solo traveler. So that's kind of dealing with the city. So what about like small towns and the rural landscape? Because that's a little bit different. I know I have stayed in places in towns where I'm quite sure that the locals probably didn't lock their doors because things were that safe. And you can be in those places. And I really feel like that there is there are a lot of little places like that throughout Europe that, that can be that way that it's like these places, these little villages are so small that people don't lock their doors. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't be staying in a place that does have a lock, but you know, I'm just kind of telling you that that's kind of some of the situations that you can get into. I would say that when you do get into these smaller towns and maybe even staying in like a farm stay or something that's kind of really more like out in the countryside, some little guest house or something, it's probably probably a little less of an issue as far as feeling, you know, making sure that your accommodation is safe and secure, but you should still, obviously, you'll want to have a lock on your room. I think that that's just kind of goes without saying. And I would say just, again, making sure that you feel like you're safe in a safe area. And I feel like it's hard because I've stayed in so many places out in the middle of nowhere where I've just never worried about anything. And again, it's not that I didn't have my door locked. It's just that there was nobody around. <laughs> you know, and and it might be even that, you know, maybe there were just a few other people staying there. So, you know, maybe that was the only thing you'd have to worry about if you just got a bad seed that was staying there. Again, I think if you do a little bit of research and you do your homework and you look at the reviews and see what people say who are also solo travelers, you'll get an idea. A lot of the small towns are going to be fine. You, again, you know, you may have a couple of locks, you know, there may be a lock to get in the outside. I've certainly stayed in like B&Bs that have been that way where you'll have a lock to get in into the actual house and then a lock into your room. And so that's that's a good thing. You know, that kind of does make you feel safe. So choosing good accommodation that feels safe is very important because I think if you don't, it's just going to mess with your trip. You're not going to feel good and you're not going to feel good about traveling on your own. So a little bit of research, make sure you choose places that maybe are also kind of, you know, friendly towards solo travelers and really kind of do help you feel safe. Okay, so let's move on to the next tip. And the next tip is what do you do about going out to dinner 
or lunch or even breakfast. Uh, breakfast may be not such a big deal, but I kind of feel like, especially when it comes to dinner, I don't know. Some people kind of feel funny about it. It's like, I feel funny going out to dinner, like to a nice restaurant all by myself. I'm sort of baffled by this, I have to admit, because it's almost like you think everybody's watching you. I got news for you. They're not. They're busy eating their meals. They might be by themselves too. They may not care. Uh, they might be sitting there with their family or with their significant other or with a friend having dinner and they're deep in conversation. They're not necessarily paying attention to you being all by yourself and eating by yourself. First of all, just kind of let go of that notion that everybody's looking at you because they're probably not. So what do you do with yourself? You know, sometimes like, you know, because if you are typically like if you're back home and you're going out to dinner with, you know, your spouse or a friend or something like that, you know, you're sitting down and you're having a, usually you're, you're having a conversation too. When you're out by yourself, you don't have anybody to talk to but yourself. And you'd probably, they'd probably worry about you if they saw you talking to yourself. That might be an issue. However, I always find there's a couple of things that are helpful. Number one is if you are reading a book Take your book with you. You can read a little bit during your dinner, you know, and in between courses or something like that. Uh, if you're reading on your tablet or your phone, take your tablet or your phone. The other thing you can do is maybe use that tablet or phone, get on the Wi-Fi. So many of the the restaurants and cafes have Wi-Fi. Get the, get the password if there is one. And, you know, maybe you're doing a little bit of research for what you're going to do the next day or the next stop that you're going to make, or even where you are right now. Maybe there's something, you know, this restaurant where you're eating at, maybe there's something nearby in the area of historical significance or maybe there's some story to where you're eating. Check it out. Do a little bit of research. That's a great thing to be able to do. If you are a person who likes to journal, take your travel journal with you and write down things. If you're a person that maybe likes to sketch some things, I'm thinking of my about my friend Danielle is a wonderful artist and she would probably sit there and maybe sketch something out you know, the scene before her. So there are a few things that you can do to sort of occupy yourself, if you will, a little bit. You know, sometimes, like I know sometimes what I'll do is I'll, you know, I might work on creating a little social media post or something like that. If I've got some some video, I might like look through some of the the photos I've taken on my phone and, and maybe edit them a little bit. You might want to catch up on emails. But the one thing I will say is don't keep your head in your book or your tablet or your phone or your journal the whole time. Because you you do want to really be present in the moment where you are. Take in everything. It's a great time to people watch. Watch what's going on. Watch the restaurant staff. How are things maybe different than they are where you are from? Look around at the other diners. What are they eating? What are they talking? Listen for all the, maybe some different languages. You might hear a few different languages. It's a great time to just kind of really be present in the moment and where you are and really kind of relish that and, you know, kind of file that away as a little travel moment. The other thing I think that's nice when you are a little bit on your own is that sometimes you can, if it's not overly busy, you might be able to chat a little bit with your server, you know, the wait staff. It's 
if you're in a place where the language is different, sometimes they'll they'll be okay and maybe kind of talking to you. And sometimes, you know, they will notice that you're alone. You won't, not the other diners, but you know, your server obviously sees that you're alone. So they may actually engage you in a little bit of, of conversation as well. And certainly, you know, if, if they want to practice their English, that's kind of a fun thing to do as well. So really kind of, you can find things to distract yourself, but at the same time, also just really kind of take in where you are and enjoy that. Because I think that going out to dinner on your own is not as big of a deal as people make it to be. That's just my experience. And here's something that you can do, as I talked about with like for newbies, it's like dip your toe in the water, dip your toe in the water for this too. If that's something that kind of bothers you, try to go out to dinner back home occasionally by yourself. Give it a little practice and see what it feels like. You know, take take your book with you and things like that and kind of maybe get used to it a little bit. That way you'll be ready when you are traveling elsewhere like Europe. So what do you do at night as a solo traveler? Because you kind of feel like, well, I want to be safe. I don't want to be out too late. You know, is it going to be safe for me to be out till like midnight or something like that? Like if I, if you wanted to go, if you were you know, somewhere like Ireland or Scotland, you're like, I really want to go to a pub and I, I want to, you know, I want to be in Ireland. I want to go out to the pub. I want to hear some music, but that means I'm going to be out, you know, past dark. Am I going to be okay? Am I going to feel safe? Maybe you are somebody that wants to go to some sort of show. Like, you know, I think about the Fado or Fado. I'm not really sure how that's pronounced. The the certain melancholy music in uh, in Portugal, especially like in Lisbon. Do you want to go see a show, a flamenco show in in southern Spain, or you know maybe you want to go to a symphony or an opera or something like that? Can you go out at night and you know feel okay about it? The answer is absolutely yes. I think that there are just some things that you want to think about. Obviously, if you're in the cities and you're staying in that safe area, then you just have to think about, well, how am I going to get there? Like maybe when you go out, it's still a little bit light. You're okay. Maybe it's walkable. But maybe at night after the performance is over, maybe you could walk it, but maybe you're better off taking a taxi. So that's kind of one thing to consider is that you 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 may not feel okay walking, you know, the 20 minutes back to your accommodation, to your hotel or your guest house. Take a taxi. And I would say definitely take a taxi, make sure it's a marked taxi. The taxis in Europe are pretty well regulated in most countries. So you should feel pretty safe in doing something like that. If you are in a smaller town, I mean, like I've been in some of the small towns in Ireland and I've gone out to a pub and listened to the music and then walked back because I know it's such a short walk and I'm in this super small town. I just make sure that, you know, it's, I know my way around so that I'm not getting lost. So kind of also kind of map out where you're going, kind of know the area. I think that that's a really good idea. I think it's not a bad idea for you to always have a card if you can have that. I know like we're going so much like digital, but maybe having a card 
of the place where you're staying. That way you always have it on you. And uh, that way, if you do get a little lost or you need to take that taxi, you've got that information right there. The other thing that I might say is, well, this is kind of a tip that I'll kind of, kind of dovetails kind of off of this kind of what to do at night and how to still enjoy those nighttime activities and still feel safe. And that's please watch your alcohol intake. You know me, I love some wine and I love my whiskey, but you might want to not be drinking when you're out or maybe, you know, you need to know your limit. It's like, I know I can go out to a pub and I can have one wee dram, or I might say I'm going to have one pint of Guinness over the course of a few hours of, you know, listening to some traditional Irish music. Because if you do get a little drunk, you are going to be a target. You just don't want to take that chance. The other thing is, obviously, you don't want to put your drink down and then go to the bathroom when your drink is still full. Even if you've been talking to the people next to you, you can't 100% know that they're not going to slip something into your drink. So be smart and be safe about that. Don't overdo it with the alcohol and do be careful. Like after you've gone out to do something, when you're coming home, I feel like that's probably when it's going to be like later, it's going to be darker. Take that taxi if you need to. You might, yes, you could probably take public transportation in some of these towns and, and some of the cities, but you may feel safer taking a taxi. I think that that's always kind of your best bet. It may cost you a little bit more, but your life is worth it. And if you know the area that you're in and you know where you're going and you know you're staying in a safe area, you know, all those things kind of factor together. Now, here's the thing. If you want to kind of help you feel maybe a little bit safer going out at night, and this kind of is, a, is another tip. This is my tip of, of how to combat loneliness. Because, you know, if you're traveling sometimes, even if you're only gone for like a week, you might be like, oh, I'd really like to maybe like be around some people and maybe meet some other travelers or something like that. Take a tour. And this may even mean something that you do at night. So ghost tours are kind of really popular. So that could be something that you could do at night. Obviously, during the day, you could take some sort of walking tour or maybe a food tour or some sort of historical tour. So getting into that group and having that group dynamic and maybe getting to meet some other travelers and, and at least, if it, you know, even if it's only for a couple of hours that you're on this walking tour or that you're you know, kind of on this little like river cruise or something like that. You may meet somebody that you kind of hit it off with and maybe you decide to then, you know, go out and like do something at, at night together. So again, that's kind of some, a couple of different ways to not only combat loneliness, but also kind of make you feel like you can be a little safer if you decide to go do something in the evening. So those are two tips kind of that I kind of rolled into one. And that's that, yes, you can still go out and do things in the evenings. Just be very, very smart about it. Watch that alcohol intake. Take taxis if you need to. And join group things if you need to. So group things, you know, can be day or evening. So that kind of is a twofer. You can 
combat your loneliness by by taking some tours and you can feel safer by doing some sort of tour in the evening and and possibly you know either one like just being able to meet up with some other travelers you know you might meet somebody during the day on on a walking tour and you might be like hey you know are you interested i've been thinking about going to you know getting tickets and going to the opera tomorrow night are you still around would you want to join me there you go maybe you've got somebody that you can do something with so those are just a few more tips there so another tip that i want to bring up is i will very much <laughs> tell you to please pack light. Do not overpack. And again, kind of like the whole alcohol thing, you know, it's going to make you a target. So if you're somebody who has way too much stuff and you can't lift all your stuff and you've got crap coming out out of your bag because you're just so unorganized, you're going to be a target. If you got five bags, you're not, you don't have five arms, so you can't hold on to everything. Pack lightly. You do not need all that you think you need. I'm going to make sure that you have a, a, there's a link to all my packing tips in the show notes. But if you can't lift that bag, it's too big. You really don't want to be a target of theft and having too much crap and having, and being unorganized and having things kind of falling out of your bag, that's going to make you a target for theft. And the next thing you know, you're going to lose credit cards or money or something valuable. I don't want that to happen to you. So just, this is a really quick tip, pack light, make sure you can carry everything, make sure everything is really nice and tightly packed and organized so that you're not a target for theft. Okay, so I get on my I get on my high horse when it comes to things like packing, and I was always an overpacker, so I really really learned to be to be a much better packer. I mentioned before about using public transportation and and kind of at night that maybe that's not a good idea. I'm going to stick with that. However, I do think that during the day, you're going to be fine. And I think there will be some places where you'll be okay kind of getting into the evening, but I just probably wouldn't use public transportation when it gets later at night. You know, I'm not going to necessarily give you a cutoff time, but you know, I probably think like around like eight, eight o'clock or something at night is probably as late as you would want to really be on public transportation. But it is a good way to get around as a solo traveler, obviously, because it's inexpensive, it's environmentally friendly. Just be sure again, by packing lightly, you don't have to worry about a lot of things with public transportation. Be extra careful in train stations. Just, you know, keep your eye on everything because again, you're one person keeping an eye on just your stuff. It's not like if you're traveling with other people, you know, you got extra sets of eyes and things like that. You can kind of keep an eye on each other. Just keep your stuff all with you. And I always kind of worry. <laughs> I remember the first time. It's funny on a train, even though like my bag might be like at the end of the train, you might want to try to um, sit near your your bag if you can. Um, with the bus, I always feel like because your bag's under the bus, I'm like, I hope somebody doesn't like get off at this stop and decide that they want to run off with my bag. I always try try to keep an eye on on things, um, but I've never had any problems. So I think that that's probably a little bit in my own mind. But do use public transportation. It's a good thing to do when you're traveling alone. It's a good way for you maybe to actually even kind of combat the loneliness because you may meet some other travelers. So you may get a chance to 
chat with some people, get some good information, and it gives you a chance to also kind of travel a little bit like a local. So that's always good. On the flip side, if you do decide that you do want to rent a car and, you know, I know that it's not as environmentally friendly as a solo traveler. I do it because I like to get out into the nooks and crannies. I like to be able to stop and photograph when I want. If I want to go down some little road and do some exploring, that's just kind of my role as a travel planner and a travel photographer and writer and podcaster. So I do rent cars. If you do rent a car on your own as a solo traveler, Get the smallest car possible so that you are as environmentally friendly as possible. If you can drive a manual transmission, do that because that helps as well. It will save you money on fuel. You'll just save money all around by um, going with the smallest car and trying to drive a trying to drive. <laughs> well, for some people, it might be that way. And driving a manual if you are if you are capable of it, um, I highly recommend that. So I would say the one other thing that I that I really, really stress is, well, there's two things. Number one, check the weather report before you make certain drives. I know like for me, I love to take scenic drives. Sometimes you're driving along coasts or you're driving over mountain passes. Don't drive those on your own. I wouldn't drive them even if you were with somebody, you know, just because you're not going to know the road. So, you know, if there's another route that you can take that's, you know, maybe a, a little safer, then you'll want to take that if the weather is bad. You know, I'm thinking about some of the drives that I've made, like, especially like in, in, in Ireland. Secondly, and actually in Italy, now that I think about it too. So secondly is I don't drive at night as a solo traveler. I just don't. Number one, some of the places that I've been, it's so flipping dark. I wouldn't be able to see the road. There are no like street lights or anything like that. I would not do that. I just don't feel comfortable. I don't feel safe doing that. The other thing is if something does happen and I'm on my own, you know, I'm out there at night and that's probably not a good thing to do. So what I would do, what what I really recommend if you are a solo traveler and you do decide to rent a car, you know, just drive during the day, drive the main roads if the weather's going to be bad. If the weather's okay and you want to take the longer kind of scenic route, go for it. Just kind of, you know, be extra careful because you are on your own. So those are some kind of tips to kind of with like some of the logistics, if you will. So where you're staying, how you're getting around, what to do like for dinner and going out at night and and combating your loneliness. But I think the one thing that I really want to bring up about solo travel is how great it can be and how how enlightening it can be. It's really a great way to kind of get back in touch with yourself and to get to know yourself again, especially if you're somebody who's maybe always taking care of family. Um, I think that that's why, you know, there's a lot of women that that do travel alone. And it's because sometimes I think, you know, it's like their wives and their moms and their sisters and their daughters, and they're constantly maybe taking care of other people. And this is a chance where they get to take care of themselves and just do something just for them. And I know for me, it's been such 
an enriching experience for me to travel on my own. I feel like I've really gotten to know myself and really kind of gotten to to love myself because I think that there are times where I haven't always been happy with who I was. And I can say that my years now since, well, I took my first solo trip to Europe in 2005. And I probably, you know, I did some, when I lived in Colorado, I I did some stuff on my own back probably like in the, like the late nineties. Gosh, I'm dating myself. Yes, I'm that old. (laughs) So when I was just, you know, like in my early thirties and I was doing things on my own, it was, it was great. And really, I feel like I really got to really know myself better, what I wanted from life, and really learn to to love who I was. When I started to travel on my own over to Europe, of course, I also kind of found my happy place. So, you know, I really relish in my aloneness when I travel solo. Are there times where I feel lonely? Absolutely. But there are a lot of times where I'm just kind of really in the moment. You know, of course, for me, you know, I spend a lot of time behind my camera and I'd in so many ways, I I prefer to be by myself then because then I don't feel like, you know, somebody else is like waiting for me because I'm like taking like an hour in this one place because I'm finding so many great photos to take. So, you know, I I just really feel like I relish it. I've walked on beaches by myself. I've hiked by myself. I've wandered around museums by myself. And, you know, I just really enjoy it. And I really, again, it's not for everyone, but for those people who start to do it and travel by themselves and really like it, keep doing it and keep enjoying it and keep, you know, trying different things and getting to know yourself. You know, it's just been such a wonderful experience for me and all the different things that I've done. And, you know, if I do get a little lonely, you know, I've joined up with tours or, you know, I've gone and, you know, maybe just struck up a conversation with somebody in a shop or, you know, like <laughs> struck up conversations with people, you know, on the gondola going up to Albi du Susi to do some hiking or struck, struck up a conversation with the person waiting on me, you know, when I've been out to dinner. So, you know, there's there are definite ways that you can combat that loneliness if it gets to you. But really, you know, relish in where you are and what you're doing and in yourself and do some nice things for yourself. If you don't have the time to sit down and just kind of sit at a cafe and read a book, sit in a cafe and read a book. That's a great thing to do. So savor those moments of being alone and relish in your aloneness, because I really do think that that's such a great thing about solo travel is that just kind of reconnecting with yourself. And there's one last little tip that I just kind of want to offer up. That's just, you know, do trust your gut. I really do believe that if we kind of listen to that intuition, we'll know if we're in a situation that feels a little off or a little unsafe and just remove yourself from it. You know, you could be in a situation where maybe you're like in a pub or a restaurant or something like that. And somebody is maybe, especially maybe they're hitting on you or something like that. And you just feel like you can't get rid of them. You know, you can also get the get the staff of, of the bar or the restaurant or whatever on your side 
and I am sure that they would help you. Do not be afraid to kind of speak up and let your feelings of uncomfortableness, is that a word? Discomfort, that's the word, known because, you know, you'll find that a lot of times, especially I think as a solo female traveler, you're going to be looked after a little bit more than maybe, you know, a male would. I hate to say that. That's kind of a sexist thing because men can certainly fall prey to all kinds of bad things too. So, but but do let someone know if you are in a situation that you feel uncomfortable, if you're like in an establishment. Obviously, if you're out on the street, just try to get away and move away, move towards crowds. That will always be a good thing for you to do is to make sure that you're not kind of singled out. But trust your gut. Don't go down. Don't walk down a street if it feels a little weird or a little eerie. Don't, you know, if you get to a place and accommodation and you're like, yeah, this place sounded good, but I'm not feeling like it's too safe. Go stay somewhere else. Even if it means that you lose money, it's much better that way. So trust your gut, trust that instinct. If you feel unsafe in any way, just get out of that situation in whatever way that you can. And really on the flip side of that is trust your gut if you, you know, meet some other travelers or a local where you feel like, yeah, I got a good vibe in this person, you know, and maybe you connect with somebody that it's like, hey, you know, you want to go out and you want to get dinner with this person. If it feels right, you know, probably is because I firmly believe and in all my years now of traveling over to Europe alone, most of the time, probably 99% of the time, I find that there is just so much more good than bad in the world. And you got to keep yourself open. So you don't want to close yourself off. You don't want to be too skittish or afraid. You certainly want to be smart about it. But keep yourself open to meeting other people, to meeting other travelers, to meeting locals and having a great experience. You know, I think about things like hmm, when I walked the West Highland Way, you know, I was walking by myself this in Scotland and I met some some people along the way. And I remember when I met Andy, who is a friend of mine, a shout out to Andy. We ended up on that last day, we kind of had connected, we exchanged some some information. I'm probably giving my business card. So he knew the name of my business. And he ended up, you know, kind of finding me and we chatted and we were going to walk together one day and I left before. I'm like, well, I'm leaving at eight o'clock. If you're not here, I'm gone. <laughs> he didn't show up. So I walked by myself, which was fine. But on the last day, I ran into another guy who had been walking with him and, you know, just felt right with, he's like, hey, you want to walk with, I'm going to be meeting, his name was Phil. I'm going to be walking in with Andy and we've met this other guy, Jim, and the four of us are the three of us are going to walk together. He's like, you're more than welcome to join us if you want. And I knew that I just felt good about, you know, I had met Phil and I had met Andy. I didn't know Jim, but I'm like, I figured those two, they were not, they're not going to be walking with some guy who's not, you know, um, a good person. So I ended up walking with them, you know, on the last day. I trusted my instinct. I kept myself open. And if I would have gotten some creepy feeling from one of them, I wouldn't have walked with them, but I didn't. So you got to keep yourself open to possibilities and to experiences. 
But you also just, you know, temper that with, yeah, I, I want to be safe and I, I want to know, I, I want to trust my gut and make sure that I'm not doing something that's going to be harmful to me. So it's that balance and you have to kind of find it. And sometimes it takes maybe traveling a little bit. You need to be trusting, but you need to not be overly trusting. I know that's a fine line to walk on, but I have faith in you and I think you can do it. So there are the tips for solo travel. Now, I do want to say, yes, there are some cons. And again, I would say one of the cons is, yes, you can get lonely, but that's where, again, if you can take some sort of tour or something like that, where you can get into a group, that's a good thing to do. And a couple other cons is sometimes you're like experiencing something, you're like, oh, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. And you're like looking around, you don't have anybody to share it with. That kind of sucks. I have to admit, sometimes it's nice to have maybe a second opinion because you're like, oh, I don't know if I should do A or B. And sometimes having somebody else weigh in kind of helps you make that decision. But sometimes that's just part of it. You really have to rely on yourself to make these decisions. Definitely, like sometimes if you're trying to navigate driving a car, um, getting from point A to point B, it is nice to have a co-pilot. But you know what? Again, it's just something you have to trust yourself and you have to kind of do it yourself. That can definitely be uh, a con. But it's definitely not anything that I feel like is not something that you can't get past. So what are some of the benefits? Well, I think the best thing is, hey, it's up to you. You get to do what you want to do when you want to do it and how you want to do it. And that's always my favorite thing. It's just all up to you. If you want to stay in bed all day, you could stay in bed all day. If you want to go out and hike all day, you can go out and hike all day. If you feel like just like being in the Louvre Museum like all day, you can do that too without having somebody else being like, yeah, I don't want to do that or I only want to go for an hour. So it's really nice because you get to do what you want to do when you want to do it. The next thing is that you get to meet new people. Now, this might sound kind of strange because you think, well, I can meet new people if I'm traveling with a friend or my spouse or my sister. You know, you're probably, you're going to be a little less open to it. You know, you're going to have that person already that you're talking to. So you may not be as inclined to talk to somebody else. You might, you might not. You'll find that if you travel by yourself, because you'll have those times you're like, oh, you want to share something or you want to talk about something. So you may be more inclined to kind of introduce yourself. If you hear some, you know, like I find that, and I probably get annoying, but I find that if I'm somewhere where English is not the first first language spoken, and I hear somebody speaking English and, you know, depending on where I'm at, you know, if I'm kind of feeling like, oh, I really would like to have a conversation with somebody in English, I might chime in and be like, oh, I heard you talking about whatever. And it just me, you know what, you might have a five minute conversation, but that's okay. So it is a good way for you to meet new people. I've definitely made some friends by traveling on my own. The other thing is you really become more independent. Uh, And I think that for some of us, that's a good thing. Some of us maybe already are pretty independent. I've probably always been that way. But I think it probably just even brought that out for me even more. But if you're not, it's a great way because you have to make all the decisions. It's all up to you. You get to decide everything. You have to, if something goes wrong, you have to figure that out too. So I think for building independence, it's a great thing to do. And that's to travel on your own. 
The other thing is, like I said, something might go wrong. So you also get to be a better problem solver. So that's a great benefit to me in traveling on your own because you have to figure it out. You don't have somebody else that you lean on. It's up to you. And life is about solving problems. So I think that I personally think everybody should travel alone at least a couple times and have to solve some problems because we could all be better at that. It's very good. So the independence thing and the problem solving thing kind of go together. And the other thing is you just gain more self-confidence. You know, I kind of feel like sometimes that that's one thing that you know, some of us may struggle with is that self-confidence. But boy, I tell you what, when you go out there and you're like, hey, I can navigate the train system through Switzerland. Hey, <laughs> that's a big thing. That's a big thing. That is definitely something that will make you feel confident. So gaining self-confidence is a huge benefit of traveling on your own. Again, it's because you're independent, you're figuring things out on yourself. And that's just kind of that thing. You gain that independence, you're you're solving those problems. And as you kind of get better at it, you just get more confident in yourself. And I am all for being self-confident. I think the other benefit is that you really do get to see the good in people. You learn to maybe trust people a little bit more. And again, you know, you, you, you want to be, you know, you can be a little weary, weary, wary of, of people at first. I, I get that. I mean, I kind of think I was that way the first time that I traveled by myself, but then I started to, to kind of realize that, you know what, there's more good people than bad people in the world. Far more like the bad people are like 1% of the population. And then you've got all these other 99% totally awesome, great people, nice people that you don't need to be afraid of. So I think that that's a huge thing because I think it helps you kind of, you know, with all, all the bad that's going on in the world, this makes you see all the good in the world. And I think we all need that a little bit more. I think one of the things for me is also like a, the one of the benefits is I just kind of feel like I can just be myself and I can be authentically myself. I feel free to be myself because, you know, sometimes your family or your friends may see you through their their kind of glasses that are colored in a certain way because there's certain expectations. But maybe there's a little bit more to you than that. And you get to go out there and sort of you can kind of reinvent yourself, if you will, a little bit or or maybe not reinvent yourself, but really dig down deep and get to that authentic core that is you. So when you're off there traveling on your own, there's nobody else that has any expectations of you and you get to be you, authentically awesome you. And I think the last benefit that I want to bring up is just something that I brought up before about reconnecting with yourself and really discovering more about yourself. You can see all the things you get to, you know, you'll see your flaws, you see what scares you, you see maybe where you're not doing so good. Then you see what you're made out of because you are making these decisions and you're gaining, you're doing all this independent stuff and you're making those decisions. So your self-awareness grows. And I think that that's a beautiful thing when you get to know more about yourself, who you are, what makes you tick, what you like, what you don't like. That's all good. And lastly, I want to say... Where should you go in Europe as a solo traveler? Well, I would say 
I think you can go just about anywhere. I will say that just it depends on what you want to do. I think that Ireland is great. I think Scotland's great. You know, anywhere in the UK, obviously, as a, as an English speaker, you may want to go to those places first because you don't have the language barrier. But you know what? Italy's great. Slovenia's great. I haven't been to Portugal, but I know people that have traveled there on their own. It's great. Spain's great. I've been there. I've gone to Croatia by myself. I've gone to Greece by myself. So there is really, I don't think that there is a bad country in Europe to go to. I think that you could go anywhere. I think most of the sort of popular cities could be great to go to. I think all the small towns. I really do believe that Europe is one of the the best places as a whole to go as a solo traveler. I just can't say that there's one place that's over another. I think it all depends on where you want to go. So I'm going to end this very long solo episode. I don't really like to do solo episodes this long. So (laughs) I'm hoping that when um, Kalisa, who does my editing now, shout out to Kalisa. I hope she edits us down a little bit so that we can lose a little bit of time. But I do want to end right here with this. Send me an email, lynn at wonderyourway.com. Tell me about some of your solo travels. I love to hear from my listeners. I love to hear from the readers of the blog. Anybody who wants to kind of share a story with me, I would love to hear from it from you. And I would love to share some of those experiences on the podcast, as long as, of course, you guys are okay with it. And it would be just a lot of fun to hear your experiences and maybe even kind of those deeper experiences, like what solo travel has meant to you. Because like I said, it's something that I personally really love. And I just would, I really encourage everybody to at least try it. But I know that, again, it's not going to be for everyone. But for those of you who are like me and just love traveling on your own, yeah, hit me up, lynnatwonderyourway.com. Tell me all about it. And I can start maybe sharing a little bit of that here on the podcast. So thank you for hanging in there and listening to this very long, probably rambling (laughs) episode. But I feel like there's so many great tips and there's, you know, there's the pros and the cons. I think the pros always outweigh the cons when it comes to solo travel. And I hope that you all will give it a shot at least once in your life. And if it's for you, great. And if it's not, that's okay. Until next time, happy travels.